Rogers Business App Market brings together the right apps for your business and wraps it all up with Rogers world-class support. Microsoft Office 365 makes it easy. Whether you need to securely store and backup files, access or share documents in the cloud, collaborate with your team or manage your business from anywhere and on any device. Plus, with support from Rogers, you'll get everything up and running quickly. To learn more, visit rogers.com forward slash business apps. Scotiabank understands that business is personal and your business has unique needs. That's why we offer flexible solutions for your business banking. Create your own business banking package that works for you by opening an account online in minutes with ease and start saving today. Visit scotiabank.com forward slash small business to get started. Here to give you a first-hand glimpse into the future of Canadian business, it's Rivers Corbett on the Startup Canada podcast. Welcome to the Startup Canada podcast, a show serving Canada's entrepreneurship community. On this show, we connect you with the most innovative and entrepreneurial movers, shakers, and change makers across Canada. With day-in-the-life stories and in-their-shoes experiences, we dive into the true grit of running startup and scale-up companies and those driving the entrepreneurial movement. The Startup Canada podcast show is a production of Startup Canada, the national rallying community for Canada's 2.3 million entrepreneurs. If you are a regular show listener, welcome back. If you're new to the program, hey, don't forget to subscribe to the show on iTunes and Google Play Music and visit startupcan.ca to connect with both your local startup community and to join Startup Canada to access training, resources, and a peer network to grow your success. I'm Rivers Corbett and entrepreneurship is part of my DNA. Whether it's building my own companies or helping other entrepreneurs build theirs, this is my Lane. Want to connect after the podcast? You can find me at www.meetrivers.com. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Startup Canada podcast show. Uh, I'm really excited to have our guest on today, Mark Evans. He, he's going to talk about something, in my opinion, is one, a, a, I don't know if it's a lost art, but it is definitely an art, but a necessity in order for companies, startups in particular, to really bust through a competitive landscape that is quite noisy at times and also resonate with your clients. And, you know, ultimately we're talking about startup storytelling. And this is what Mark Evans is. He's a prolific startup storyteller and he is accelerating the speed at which entrepreneurs grow their companies by harnessing the messaging and branding behind the who, what, where, why, and when of a startup's conception and products. Mark is the principal with Me Consulting, which is an agency providing strategies and tactics that fuel fast-growing companies with over 10 years 
as a technology reporter with a lasting legacy as a serial entrepreneur, Mark holds the secret sauce to startup success. That's right. You're happy now you're listening, aren't you, folks? In 2015, Mark wrote Storytelling for Startups, which is a tactical guidebook for entrepreneurs to create their own stories that give them a compelling, a competitive edge. His experiences have led him to be an advisor with the next 36, as well as Venture for Canada, an amazing, amazing organization. In today's podcast, we're going to talk to Mark about his pr- approach to marketing in 2018 and how he's structuring the stories of Canadian startups. Mark, welcome to the show, my friend. Well, thank you for having me. That was a nice introduction. Very kind. Yeah, well, it's well-deserved because it's all true. And uh, and I always like to say it ain't bragging if it's true. So so congratulations on that journey. Before we dive into, uh, you know, the storytelling and me consulting, and, and uh, I want to talk also about the next 36, you were a technology reporter. Now, that to me is the total opposite of how to tell a proper story. Is that true? Or, you know, and what is a technology reporter? So I was a technology reporter sort of from the late 90s until um, sort of uh, mid the mid 2000, 2006. Um, you know, by definition, technology reporters were very geeky. Um, they were nerds who really got into the technical aspects of the technology. And it was it was it was reporting that most people couldn't understand. And so when I started writing about technology, um, I took an opposite tact. It was really, uh, I would talk to technology executives and they would tell me what they did. And then I would say, I don't understand a word you said. You need to say it in English. And I would yeah. break down technology to make it very accessible and user-friendly so that people on the street can understand how technology is changing their lives. Yeah. Well, and uh, and, and and that's very hard to do. I worked a lot with engineers at the University of New Brunswick uh, when I was the entrepreneur in there, helping them to articulate what it is that they were trying to do. And so is there a, is there a starting point that you would recommend um, that I don't want to stick to this technology guys in particular, because, you know, they, they get a lot of, they get a lot of press, they get a lot of attention, they get a lot of love, but they really muck up when it comes to telling their story. So is there one thing that they need to focus in on before they start talking about their invention? Well, I think they need to understand that not everybody is technology savvy and that many of their users um, really aren't interested in the technology at all. What they're interested in is what the technology is going to do for them. And so they really have to simplify the messaging and boil things down to what they do and why it matters. And if they can do that, then they, they, they walk away from the sort of the technology acronyms and vernacular. Yeah. And they really get down to the, the gist of what they want to tell people so that everybody can understand what they're doing. Yeah, right on. And and that's really what you have done with starting me consulting. Is is that really the impetus to to help th- that that really began began your journey with me consulting? Well, so I, I came at consulting from a sort of a journalist storytelling perspective. Um, you know, for years I had told stories about technology to the mass audience, and I really wanted to uh, help companies um, help stories, help create stories that that resonate, help create stories that get people excited, that pe- get people engaged. Um, and that get people curious, and and that's the, the the sort of the essence to good storytelling is that you you create stories that really uh, captivate your audience. Yes, and so you the more you tell them, the more they want to know. 
Um, and if you can do that, that's amazing marketing. It's amazing sales so, uh, techniques. So, Mark, I, you know, I'm, I'm, and again, I'm a big fan of your value proposition. Uh, I see there's a big void in that whole area of storytelling, and then consistently telling that storytelling. And when you, and, and you know it, I know it. I mean, as kids, that's what we, what we know. We're brought up with storytelling st- stories. Tell me a story. Tell me a story. And then, what did you learn from the story? So, why, why do companies, particularly start Startups struggle with one, I guess, embracing that concept, let alone putting a strategy in place to to uh, to tell their story. It's a very interesting question because storytelling, as you mentioned, is sort of an inherent part of how mm. we grow up. It's how we learn. And in fact, um, I would argue that uh, most of the time we're telling stories in our daily conversations. So mm. you would think that entrepreneurs would be really good storytellers, but there's a couple of um, problems. One is that entrepreneurs tend to be very product-centric. It's all right. about their company. They want to talk about their features. They want to talk about price. They want to talk about their technology. And that's great, and it's it's very informative. But most customers, that's not what they want to hear from the get-go. Mm-hmm. What they're interested in is tell me about how your technology or your product going to benefit me. It's the classic what's-in-it-for-me question. Sure. And then um, once you sort of show me the benefits, then you need to um, sort of almost craft these experiences that involve me. So let's say, for example, your uh, GoPro. So there's two approaches to GoPro. One, from a technology perspective, is that you could talk about how GoPro makes small, rugged video cameras to record your various adventures. Mm. And that, that's a very technical um, approach to storytelling. Right. But on the other hand, if you really want to tell stories um, that captivate, then if you're GoPro, what you say is that we help you capture life's adventures and share them with friends. Now, the stories aren't that different, but the second story is about me, the user. It's about how I can envision right. using a GoPro. You know, I'm riding my bicycle down a mountain or I'm, I'm, I'm on, a, on a snowmobile racing across a lake. And, and I can envision if I had a GoPro, that would be amazing because I could share that with my friends. And that's, that's storytelling um, in its most powerful form. Yeah, it's 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 funny you talk about what's in it for me and you know the technical piece. So I, when I'm working with with entrepreneurs, I I, I say I, I ask them to uh, tell me how many ever bought a car, and you know ninety nine percent put their hands up. And I said, how many have spent time really analyzing the inner workings of the engine, or did you just get in it and turn on the freaking stereo system <laughs> and drive the car down the road at eighty miles an hour? Because they don't give a shit about what's the engine now and why yeah. it works because they expect it to work as you said it would work they don't need to know and i think that that's that's a you know you're reinforcing that point as uh, as as part of, uh, of people understanding what they need to do to move, move forward so so i'll 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 um i'll, I'll ask you again the a similar question to the one i just asked so even after knowing all this <laughs> even after being told this why is it that you know, they, they don't gravitate towards it. Why aren't they, why aren't they running to tell their stories? It's just that somebody else comes along and says boo to them and says, you don't need to do that. It's like the proverbial lawyer coming along and saying, Oh no, you don't market that way. You market this way. Well, freaking lawyers, they market by putting their names on their buildings. That's how they market. So do you find that that's what it is? The, the experts come in quote unquote and say boo to them. Well, one of the things is there's a certain mindset that most entrepreneurs have, and it really is – they're really 
focused on the business, they're focused on running the business, they're focused on sales. Marketing tends to be um, an, a bolt-on, something that perhaps can be added later. So they're not really um, mm. marketing-focused or marketing-savvy people. And I'm taking nothing away from entrepreneurs and the jobs they do. It is what it um, is, though. So. It is what it is, right? So, so there's a there's the first problem is a mindset um, that they have to get away from being product centric, and what they really have to do is focus on being customer centric, mm-hmm. and that's putting themselves every day in the shoes of their customers and trying to ask themselves, what would our customers want to know? What kind of experiences do our customers want to embrace? Um, how will our customers use our product? And it has nothing to do with your product. And I, as I often say, is, and to sort of parrot what you said, is that I tell my clients that technology is irrelevant right? because uh, customers don't care. They just mm-hmm. care if it works. So that's the, that's the first thing. And then the second thing is really crossing the chasm um, from product-centric to customer-centric and really sort of saying to themselves, admitting to themselves is that, you know, we really have to start embracing storytelling as part of our marketing and our sales. And, and admittedly, you could say that storytelling could be used for customer service and for HR if you want to recruit good talent. Sure. So you have to get to the other side and sometimes – um, you can teach yourself to do it. You can watch videos. You can listen to podcasts like this. Mm-hmm. Um, or you might have to hire somebody either directly. I'm going to hire a marketer to bring a new language, a new approach to business. Or I'm going to hire somebody on contract to hire an agency or a freelancer who can bring that perspective. Um, because sometimes you, know, you don't know what you don't know. Um, until someone says to you, hey, you know what would be really interesting is why don't we do it this way? And I find for some entrepreneurs that suddenly lights go on. They go, wow, I never even thought about that. That makes complete sense. Right. And and that's, I think, um, what needs to happen for most uh, for most entrepreneurs per, to embrace marketing and, for that matter, storytelling. So, when, when so, so again, I'm, I'm, you know, I've drank your Kool Aid already. I'm, I'm a, I'm a big brand advocate, big storytelling advocate. So, I'm, I'm on your side. How do you ultimately? Oh my gosh, that's terrible. <laughs> I tell the story. I forgot the question I was going to ask. Let me, uh, let me kind of go on to the next one because I'll, I'll come back to it because it's important. Um, I, I want to know how you market your business. So how do you ultimately get to people who are leading organizations that you want to connect with? What's your what's your storytelling process? So there's a couple of sides to the house. So one is the obvious digital marketing strategy. So yes. I've got a weekly newsletter. I blog on a regular basis. I'm very active on social media. And that's great. Um, but in some ways, I'm old school. And maybe it's maybe it reflects you know my experience. Um, maybe it reflects that I'm used to an old school style of doing things. But I really, really believe in this digital age is that analog um, makes a huge impact, especially mm. for small businesses. Mm-hmm. And I'm talking about things like um, going to networking events, attending conferences, arranging coffee meetings, really having that, establishing that personal connection because we tend to buy into the idea that digital is everything and that we yeah. can friend people and we can follow people and that'll make a difference to our business, isn't it? And in some respects it does, but um, I think Seth Godin said that when it comes down to business, that people buy from people. Yes. Um, so when I'm buying a CRM system or a new car, I'm yes. buying it from a salesperson because I want that personal interaction. Now, many services you can buy without, but I think for services like the ones that I'm selling is that I got to get in front of people. I got to be speaking. Uh, I got to be networking. I got to be drinking lots of coffee. Yes. Um, and, it, and a lot of it comes back to um, somebody mentioned to me um a statement that really resonated. It's called dormant demand. Dormant demand. It, dormant demand. And what it has to do is is with that there's 
for small business owners and entrepreneurs is that marketing is a matter of dormant demand. They want, they need marketing. They want marketing. They just don't know that they need it yet. And so they, they need someone to stand in front of them and say, you know, marketing could do all these amazing things for you. Um, but no one ever sort of has those conversations with them. But when it happens, suddenly uh, there's a recognition that, yes, marketing could be a good thing to accelerate my business. So they re you really have to sort of in many sense wake up the entrepreneur so that they can get going with marketing. You have a, and I remember the question now. Do you do you have you know metrics that you use as a means and ways to validate what it is that you're doing with the with your clients? So that's an interesting question because the marketing world is divided into two parts right now. On one hand, you got the data jockeys, you know, mm -hmm. big data. Data is everything you can mm -hmm. measure everything, and, and that is true. I mean, everything can be measured in the digital world. And in my world, there is some data you can measure website traffic, but a lot of it is subjective. Because mm -hmm. um, a lot of what I'm doing with with uh, storytelling and marketing strategies is very um, it's creative. Um, we're trying to craft narratives. We're trying to. Uh, position a company in a different way. So how do you measure that? Like in time, you can start measuring clicks and, sure. and lead generated and sales. But from the initial sort of um, parts of it, you're trying to measure um, people's attitudes. Uh, you're trying to measure um, what customers say. Do they, do they, do they um, parrot your messaging back to you? Do they tell stories to you that you've already told them? Um, do when you're, when you're selling, when you're saying elevator pitches or you're telling people your value propositions, they immediately get what you say. Um, there's a media connection, so you don't have to sort of provide more details. And that is, that's very subjective. Um, but I still think that's important from a marketing perspective, as much as we love data, um, creativity still, still matters. Yeah, I agree. I agree because it's it's emotional and emotion. You know, ultimately, I'm a big fan of saying that all businesses is simply a dating game. And the, <laughs> and the stronger you can make yeah. that emotional connection, the stronger that loyalty is going to be. And uh, I don't know where you are from a relationship, you know, if you're in one or not. But I know emotions play a big part in my relationships yeah. with my well, family and friends and wife and so on. And, and you yeah. can't put any freaking metrics behind it. That's for I sure. Well, it's, a, it's a great point you make about emotions so so people many most people make buying decisions not based on rational thought but on on emotions They're, what they want what they fear what they desire so for i'll give you a really good example so i don't know i i own a lot of apple um equipment and i suspect you do as well yes and and the thing about if you look at it um from a rational perspective there's no reason for us to buy um apple computers because um Windows computers are just as good, and they're far less expensive. So from a rational perspective, we should be buying Windows computers. But from an emotional perspective, we buy Apple. Why? Because we want to feel like we're on the, on the cutting edge. We want to feel like we're part of the cool gang. We want to feel part of this tribe. Um, that Steve Jobs, you know, built and nurtured. And yes. so we walk into an Apple store and we happily spend whatever it takes to buy the latest iPad or, or MacBook. And that's the power of emotions in, in practice. Yeah. It's, and it's, uh, it's, well, ultimately it's, it's a necessity and those don't get it. Uh, I think are, are, are competitively going to be behind the eight ball. That's for sure. Um, take us through the, you know, the, 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 the best practices behind storytelling. What are the, do you have a must do list in order to 
to develop and deliver a, and I say deliver too, because it's, it's, it's got to get out there, right. uh, deliver that story. So develop and deliver uh, a good story as it for entrepreneurs. So it really starts with establishing, um, I, you know, what are your goals for storytelling? So storytelling for the sake of storytelling doesn't make a lot of sense because as a business owner, everything's got to be done for a reason and for a purpose. So Job one is, what do you want to do? Like, do you want to drive sales? Do you want to have awareness? Do you want to build a community? Do you want to get website traffic? So that's the starting point. Um, and you really have to articulate what you want to achieve because then you can benchmark how your storytelling is working for you. So that's job one. And second would be... Um, would be target audiences. Yes. And so you want to know, like, who are you selling to? Um, what are their interests? What are their needs? Um, what does success look like for them? How do they make buying decisions? And so target audiences are an interesting um, um, phenomena because your customers aren't sort of one big amorphous group. They're actually split into sort of micro groups. And that's why you have to build out buyer personas because you could have a product that have, mm. could have four, three or four distinct buyer personas. Mm -hmm. Their interests are, are very much uh, aligned, but they're different in small ways. So for example, if you were trying to sell lipstick to women aged 25 to 40, within that group, you've got women who are married women who are married with children, women mm -hmm. who live in cities, and women who live in rural areas. And so you might market to them in different ways because they have slightly different needs and interests. Mm -hmm. um, and so once you've done that, um, then you can figure out, okay, so we've got our goals, we've got our target audiences, we know what they're interested in, and then you got to figure out, so how do we reach them? Like, what are the channels by which we can tell stories to get their attention? So we can um, get them into the funnel and then tell stories and move them down the funnel. So then you got to look at all the marketing options you have, um, everything that's possibly relevant, and then decide um, from a you know, soon from a now, soon and later perspective, what's going to move the needle. So you may want to tell stories in marketing channels that are going to move the needle right now to reach those target audiences to achieve your goals. Um, and then after that, then you measure how well your stories are resonating. Yes. And, and if necessary, then you optimize. Right. So um, so that's that, those are the sort of key pillars um, when it comes to when it comes to storytelling. OK, so let's get back to that measurement piece again, because I think it's a, it's it's a critical point to make the, the bean counters feel a little bit more comfortable that the investment's worthwhile. Um, when you say measure the impact, uh, the connection with the story, uh, what are the top three things you should be measuring or top two things you should be measuring to determine that? So so I guess you could start with 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 a company's website. So on you know, the homepage where you have, you know, your your value propositions, what you do, who you serve and why it matters. So, yes. you know, if you're driving traffic to uh, homepages or landing pages, then you can do a lot of A-B testing to test to see if different stories are working better than the others. That's that's a really, really good um, way of establishing, okay, when we have story A on the screen, we get a lot of traffic, we get a lot of conversion, we get a lot of sales. When we tell story B, it doesn't work very well. So you've got to do a lot of that. Um, the other thing you have to do with your stories is that once you've got through the whole process of crafting a story for your target audiences, then you have to go and actually talk to your customers. Uh, and 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 test whether that stories resonate with them. And that's an interesting thing because I think that too many startups don't spend enough time talking to customers. They actually take their customers for granted. So we spend a lot of time nurturing customers, courting customers, onboarding customers. But once we get them, 
we tend to forget them. Yes. Because we've already got them. We got them. And that's where most divorces happen because you take the customer for granted. So, so you have to be getting out there and telling your, your stories and testing your stories um, with your existing customers who've been with you for a long time, with yes. customers who have just come on board, um, and with customers who may not know you or customers that decided not to use you. So across the board, it's, it, you're talking to your customers all the time, different mm-hmm. types of customers, to see if your stories actually work. And, and if your customers get your stories, if it resonates with them, then, then you know that you're on the right track. And then you can figure out other ways to quantify um, the, the effectiveness of your storytelling. What do you say to people who are entrepreneurs? And I hear it all the time and I know what my answer is, but I, you're the expert man. And I, I'm, I, I, I want it, I want them to hear it from, from an expert. What do you say to people who say, yeah, um, I'm going to, uh, I engage with my clients. I got a Facebook page and a Twitter account and uh, I'm good. So the the answer would be, well, number one would be, so how well are they working for you? Yeah, that's right? really, yeah, I love that part. So, yeah. So that would be the first one. And the second one would be, okay, so, so you're investing all this time and effort um, in these particular channels to engage your customers. So are these the most effective channels overall? Are there other marketing things that you could be doing that could be even more effective than using Facebook? Or are your customers uh, even on Facebook? Or are your customers on are in Facebook? So for like when I talk about marketing channels, like a phrase I use is you party where the party's happening. Yeah. So then, I love if your it. Customers, if your customers, like too many startups, for example, I got to be on Twitter, I got to be on Facebook, I got to be on Instagram, and I got to be YouTube. But the, que- the question is, are your customers there? Mm. And if they're not there... And it makes very little sense to be there and just to invest the time and money to have a presence. So don't blow your brains out on Facebook if if there's if all your customers are on Instagram or they're not on social media at all, which is hard to believe. But there are businesses that social media is not a factor for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you would just shake your heads at it. But again, you're, you're not asking the right question. You're not saying, does the, is that tool needed to build the house? It's does the architectural design of the house need that tool? Yeah. And I think, I think, you know, um, we're talking a lot about storytelling, but I, I also spend a lot of time focused on strategy and it's really right. in simple terms, it's where do you tell your stories? Yeah. And, and too many entrepreneurs, um, don't have a strategy. And if they do have a strategy, it usually sits in their head. It's not documented. Right. So right. the other, the other people in the organization don't know it exists or they can't sort of pick it up and say, Oh, that's our strategy. And yeah. so what a strategy does is basically tell you the places where your storytelling is going to work best and the places where your storytelling is not going to work very well. Mm-hmm. Do you, uh, can you walk through us as to, you know, how you, uh, how you navigate through a discovery uh, conversation with your, uh, with your clients when you when you first start to connect with them? Sure. So it, it's, it's, um, what you really want to do, it's really a brain dump. When you first connect with a client, that you basically want to tell them everything they know about um, their product, their customers, the competitive landscape, um, their partners, um, industry trends, um, anything that they think is relevant about um, their their company, their product, and their marketplace. And what's interesting is that entrepreneurs have a wealth of knowledge inside their heads um, because they live and breathe this stuff every day. And as a consultant, um, what your job is to unlock that, that information and to then help them synthesize it so that the most important, the most relevant information sort of rises to the top so that you can you can scrutinize um, this information then to figure out what's important to the business. Um, the other side of it is um, 
with companies that may be a little bit bigger is that you want to talk to the founders because it's their baby, but you also want to talk to um, key executives and other employees. So what you're trying to do is you're trying to figure if there's alignment within the organization around marketing and storytelling. So that if, uh, if a founder, for example, is telling a particular story, but their sales team are telling a different story, then you got a problem because you're not on the same page. And so it's important to get a get a, a full perspective of, um, of what a company is doing. So then you can figure out, okay, these are the things that are important and these are the things that we need to focus on going forward. Who uh, Give us an example of an organization that strategically, uh, if you can work through the strategy with us, this is their strategy and this is how they execute it, uh, that you really uh, admire uh, when it comes to what it is that you do with storytelling. A client of mine or, or just a, a brand that does it well? If, if you want to use a client of yours and give them, the, you know, give them credit, that's, uh, that's even better. Uh, if you like well, something outside of that, that's fine too. Well, I would love to, cr- to claim that Shopify is a client of mine, but they're not. <laughs> but I've been a longtime fan of theirs. And I think sure. that Shopify does a really great job of, um, of they, they took what was, you know, a, a basically sort of a, a technical product, an e-commerce platform. Yes. And really leveraged storytelling and content marketing to make that product come to life. So, yes. for example, um, uh, Shopify has, um, has a really, really, really good podcast in terms that – uh, highlights the success of their entrepreneurs that are on Shopify. And it, it tells stories about how these entrepreneurs are being successful, how they're starting businesses, how they're growing businesses, and how they're leveraging the Shopify platform. Another thing that Shopify does really well is that they crowdsource their case studies so that most companies will sort of pick and choose the companies that they want to showcase. And what Shopify does is they go out and say to their, all their customers and say, if you've got a good story to tell, then you craft the story and then you pitch to us and then we'll pick the best ones and promote them on our social media networks. And then, of course, you're going to promote them on your social media networks. That's going to promote your business and it's also going to promote our business. So I would say that um, Topify really has um, captured sort of both sides of the house, right? They've they've activated themselves in terms of telling stories and they've also um, convinced their customers to tell stories too. And if you can do that, then that's, that's an amazing value proposition. Yeah, absolutely. So what's, what's a company that you say that you say is a good company, but man, they just suck at what it is they do in telling their own story and then they could do it so much better. Oh man, you could, you could start with lots and lots of companies, but you know, like for example, let me give you a, like a good example. It might be Canadian tire, for example. So it's okay. a big, ubiquitous Canadian brand. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Do you remember years ago they used to have this kid called Albert? Yeah, I sure he, do. Albert, Albert, Albert. So Albert was a great example of amazing storytelling because this was this, this sort of fictional person that, that really you could, you could sort of, you could embrace, right? You could say that's, I'm kind of Albert in a sense yes. because I like playing hockey outside. Yeah. Um, but they don't they don't really tell those kind of stories anymore. And I think mm. Canadian Tire, because of their heritage, because of the fact that they're so mainstream that most Canadians, you know, shop at Canadian Tire. I think there's all kinds of ways that they could leverage storytelling to really mm. sort of build a more emotional connections. Yes. I mean, granted, Canadian Tire is doing really, really well right now. They're one of the few retailers that are actually thriving. Yes. Uh, but I think they could even accelerate their growth more if they actually did some really, really creative storytelling. Yeah, I love it. Well, you know, when you talk about Albert, I talk about, you know, the A&W story, uh, you know, the, uh, the Kentucky Fried Chickens of the world, and that whole, they, they really did a great job of telling stories, and and I always, you kind of wonder, why did they ever get away from it? But uh, uh, anyway, through through some decision-making that well, they, they well, did. But one of the things about storytelling, it's hard. 
like storytelling on a, on a continual basis is very challenging because it takes energy, it takes people, it takes money and it takes creativity. And I think, you know, um, my, my sort of advice to entrepreneurs is this goes along with marketing is don't bite off too much too soon because we tend to be very excited as entrepreneurs. We're very energized. Yes. So we feel that we can conquer the world. So we embrace too many, too many marketing channels and we try to tell too many stories. And at the end of the day, we sort of lose our momentum and then we, our storytelling slows down and then we stop completely. Yes. So what you want to yes. do instead is you want to, you want to start, you want to sort of walk before you run. Yes. So you want to sort of, you know, get an idea of what you want to do. And then pick a couple of things or a couple of stories that you want to tell and you want to do those really, really well and continue to do them on a day in or week in basis. And then as you as you get more success, you get more confidence, you get more experience, then you can sort of you can sort of um, push on the accelerator a little bit. Right. But you want to push too hard because you want everything to be manageable, everything to be controlled. And you want to feel like like this is the right thing. It feels good. There's a cadence that you've got going and that, that it becomes kind of just part of doing business every day. When you do too much, you're overwhelmed. But when you do just the right amount, it's just part of doing business. You wake up, you do your social media, you do your marketing, you do your sales and business is all good. I, uh, I, it, I, the, the thing that I'm thinking about when you're talking about that is sequels and the Harry Potter series comes to my mind. Why? I'm not quite sure, but it was that it's a common theme of a connection to a quote unquote character to a, to a, you know, a greater mission, but uh, also uh, the storyline went in, in many different directions, but still captivated the audience. So uh, uh, I, 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 I say, why don't they continue on? Cause it's fair to say they're just not thinking of sequels. They're just thinking, oh, this story's dead and therefore we can't keep it going. Yeah, I think that's exactly it. I think that there's a very sort of short term mentality mm. as opposed to thinking, well, what are we going to do the next quarter and the next quarter? And and often, just like sort of business strategy, you need to reload every quarter or every half year or every year. And so that you have a roadmap for how you're going to move forward, because if you don't right. have a roadmap, then then things get very fuzzy yes. and you kind of lose your way. Yeah. Bang on, man. Bang on. Um, talk to us about the next 36. You're uh, you're an advisor with the next 36 as well as Venture for Canada. Uh, we've had uh, uh, a couple other guests talk about Venture for Canada. So uh, I'm not going to delve into that uh, great organization. And, and, and I mean it, they're a great organization. I'm very, very keen on talking about the next 36. One, what is it and why do you why do you advise that particular group? So the Next 36 is an interesting organization. So they've gone through a bit of a metamorphosis over the last few years. So they used to be very focused on um, attracting really, really smart university students and bringing them together, putting them into groups and having them come up with entrepreneurial ideas. The whole idea was to uh, build Canada's next generation of entrepreneurs. And so uh, in, some, some, in some situations, these groups, so they were four or five groups working with a mentor, they would come up with a really, really good business idea and then a business would actually emerge from it. Right. In other cases, you know, they had such a short period of time, I think it's just a few months to work together that it, it took, it didn't, things didn't materialize as they expected. So the next 36 has kind of shifted gears and they've, they're bringing together teams. So you'll come to the next 36 with your idea or with a company already started and you've already got a team in place. And what they do is they they mentor you, they nurture you, they expose you to um, different entrepreneurs and advisors so that you can actually accelerate the growth of your business. Right. So it's almost like they become an accelerator as opposed to an incubator. Um, 
and really sort of tried to get sort of put more meat in the bone as opposed to start things from scratch. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so my role, the next 36 is, is just, um, you know, as an advisor, you're there for them. If, if, if the entrepreneurs need help, they reach out to you. A lot of it is, um, is things they don't know because they're, they may be very good engineers or software developers. Um, but they may not have expertise in things like sales and marketing. So they turn to people like me to say, you know, how should I position my business? What kind of marketing channels, um, should I, should I look at? Um, how can I tell story? How can I use storytelling in a very effective way? And, and our job is to basically sort of give them what they need when they need it. It's, it's as an advisor, it's, it's a light touch. The mentors have a much more active role in the process. Um, but they, there is value for them in having an army of advisors at their beck and call, um, because, you know, we're, we've, been, we've sort of committed to engage ourselves and when they reach out, we, we help them out. And that's, a, it's a great resource for any entrepreneur. Yeah. Is it in a, a, a countrywide program? Yeah, it's country, yeah, they bring people from across the country. Um, and I think that's one of the that's one of the strengths of the organization is that it's because we have entrepreneurs everywhere these days from West Coast to East Coast. And I think we have to nurture entrepreneurs everywhere. Mm, mm, absolutely. Um, I got two more quick questions. Um, one of them is real easy for you. Uh, how do people find you? So you can reach me at markevans.ca is the is the best way to get hold of me. Okay. Um, and I'm on social media, Twitter on Mark Evans and Facebook on Mark Evans. Um, and that, yeah, that's the way you can find out what I do. Cool. And my last question kind of relates back to storytelling again, uh, because I, 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 I've loved this journey of strategy, of tactics, but also, also uh, you know, uh, a, a wake-up call for the importance of ultimately bringing storytelling in as part of your branding strategy. Um, what's your favorite book? And it doesn't have to be a business book, by the way. Oh, my favorite book is... Um there's a actually I, my favorite book right now is actually a book that I'm reading called Positioning. Ah, uh, it was it's it was written like years ago. Yeah, yeah Rise so or something, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Al, yeah, and it, it, yeah. The, the interesting thing about it, it doesn't mention the internet at all because yeah. it was written before the internet. <laughs> so it's funny. mostly about advertising uh, agencies and how they approach marketing and advertising. Yes, um, but classic. But the, the, there's some fundamentals that still resonate in the fact that. Um, in a very competitive landscape, and you could argue that things are even more competitive now than ever, is that mm. you really have to position your product really, really, really effectively if you're going to um, capture any of the spotlight. And so it's a book I'm, I'm, I'm really interested in because it's, it has a lot to, a lot to do with the things that I'm doing for clients these days. Yeah. I, look, I, it's, it is, it's a, it's a classic. It's been around for a long time and I forgot about that book. I have read that book and you're right. The guy's name is Al Rise or something like that. That, uh, yeah. but, uh, yeah, I think it's a, a, a very, very, uh, impactful book particularly as you referenced, is it doesn't include the internet. So I think you'd probably be more interested in it because uh, it's talking about stuff you might not have heard about before. It's, it's just the fundamentals, you know, <laughs> that's, that's the fundamentals. getting back to the basics. Yeah. Right yeah. On. Um, one thing before I, before I go, sure. I, wanna, I also want to tell you about um, a little while ago, I, um, so storytelling is inherent of what I do. And, and one of the things I'm really fascinated with, with entrepreneurs is, is how they answer the question. So what do you do? Yes. And that's fundamental storytelling. And I'm mm. always troubled um, when a, when an entrepreneur stumbles uh, when they're trying to tell that story, because that's the essence of storytelling. If you can tell mm. that story, then you can create an elevator pitch and your value propositions and your positioning statements and all those good things. So mm. I created a video course. It's a free video course awesome. um, you, and it's called story spark. And you, you can find it at www 
www.growevenfaster.com. And it's, it's six videos and you get it. There's a template and a workbook. So it's lots of value and a great value for nothing. And, uh, and it really help you answer that story better, create a better answer to. So what do you do? So www.growevenfaster.com. Yeah. I'm so glad you said that. Really, really glad you said that. And and I'd like to leave it with you with this uh, little nugget that, that I read a while ago. And it gets back to that, what do you do? piece and uh, I was I was during this piece whatever it was an article or blog or whatever they said this person said I've stopped asking people what do they do and I say to them now what's your story what's your story I like that and that great. awesome so I hope yeah. that's helpful for you because it just gets the mind to go a little bit different right and uh, versus uh, well I'm an insurance agency no no I want your story yeah. and, and just lean in and listen Mark yeah, Evans this has been a, a really epic conversation that's my word for the year epic and uh, you rank right up there my friend I can't thank you enough for giving us your time your insight and uh, I hope our audience uh, will reach out to you because uh, it's just important work you're doing for, for entrepreneurs so thank you so much for your time thank you much for having me really appreciate it Thank you for joining us this week on the Startup Canada podcast, a show dedicated to unlocking the entrepreneurial potential of every entrepreneur with access to inspiring stories and tangible lessons to help you run your business. Want access to resources and support to grow your business? Visit startupcan.ca for the latest startup community news and upcoming events like our popular hashtag Startup Chats on Twitter every Wednesday and Friday at 12 p.m. Eastern. Till next week, I'm Rivers Corbett leaving you with a sneak peek of next week's episode. My name is Graham Mann. I'm the co-founder of Lean Systems, and you're listening to the Startup Canada podcast with Rivers Corbett. What uh, what got you interested in the transportation industry? Uh, you know, we talked about you, you guys hung out, um, and and it's been a great journey. But you know, there's lots of opportunities out there. What was it that you personally connected with when it came to creating a company that automates scheduling and routing for enterprise level customers? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, originally, Se- Sebastian wanted to do movie scheduling. Ah, oh, movie so, scheduling. Yeah. Wow. So during Founders to the original idea was to schedule movies or TV shows, basically productions. And as you can imagine, when you actually break it down, the right. underlying technology is not that different. To produce a movie, you have a limited number of people working on the movie who have set schedules. They need to be in various different places at different times. There's certain combinations that work, so you need to have the film crew in the same place that the makeup artists are at the same time, and there's a bunch of constraints and so on. So when you break it down, it's not that different a problem. But I knew nothing about movies and wasn't that interested. Eventually, you pivoted to transportation, (laughs) and even in the early days, I wasn't totally convinced mostly just because I didn't know enough about the industry. So I'm sure it was quite frustrating for him, but we chatted for probably four months, maybe six months before I agreed to join. And a lot of those discussions were him basically pitching the where they where the business was, where he thought it was gonna go. 
and me asking questions about the technology and the different industries and where it might be applicable and then going off and doing some research. We'd have another discussion a few weeks later because I'd have a bunch more questions. And eventually what really sold me is once I got my head around the technology and how powerful it was, the impact the business could have and the level of technology really appealed to me too. So I'd been involved in some businesses before where the differentiation wasn't necessarily the underlying technology. It was more the market that you had to get eventually. So, you know, most marketplace businesses, at least in the early days, the technology is not that amazing. I mean, it's, you know, a website like Craigslist or something similar, but right. the value comes when everyone uses that, that site and that's how it becomes defensible. And in our case, there are some of those network effects, but the underlying technology was powerful enough that it was interesting to me and that that in itself was valuable. And then the impact it could have, I mean, once I grasped how how easily it could scale to different industries and the impact that could have in terms of improving efficiency, efficiency of cities, environmental efficiency, uh, that was what ultimately sold me. So really, the once I grasped the grand vision, I guess, uh, and potential for the company, that was when I was really excited.